All right, well, I just want to open up with a word of prayer, and uh, I have a word for this morning, and uh, we're going to get going. Holy Father, we just thank you for this time. Man, you have spoken so much this morning. God, you just, Lord, it's just we are to not give up. We are to continue to keep going. Lord, that we are, uh, the victory is ours. God, you have just called us to keep going, not give up, not count ourselves out, Lord, but to listen to what you have given us, to pay attention to the things that you have already provided us, to not look at the distractions that the enemy would want us to focus on, but to keep our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you guys turn in your uh, Bibles to John chapter six? We're going to read. We're going to read a little bit here. John chapter six. This morning, when I came in to the church, uh, Reagan and me, we have a little ritual we do every Sunday morning. We get up, and um, she comes to me. Uh, she comes to me uh, for practice with practice on Sunday morning. We usually start practice around around eight o'clock in the morning, and. Um, uh, a, a couple months ago, uh, she, uh, I offered, I said, hey, if you, if you want to start, you know, training, and she loves to sing, if you want to start singing on the worship team, you, you have to be here during practice time, and um, she's like, I'll come, I'll come, I was like, well, I know practice starts at around 8, 8, 15, but I actually get up at 5 in the morning and get dressed and then, you know, and then I go to Starbucks and I have coffee and I study and get my notes for the worship time. And so you'd have to come with me that early. And she was like, I'll come. And I was like, okay. So we go up and, and, and we have a little toy. It's not a toy iPhone, but it's just a really old iPhone that it's so old. It's, you can't even update it anymore. So I put an alarm on that phone and set it in a room. And uh, the next morning, <laughs> uh, the next morning it was two thirty in the morning, and I get a knock at our bedroom door, and I'm like, "What in the world?" And I go over, and she is at the door at two thirty in the morning, ready to go. She hadn't gone to bed that night. She was so excited about coming to worship practice the next morning. And then she goes, Dad, I don't know how to tell time. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Well, I set an alarm on your phone to go off when it's time to get up. She's like, I don't, I've never done this before. And I was like, okay, well, just go up to your room, try to get some sleep, and then your phone will ring when it's time to go. Well... Um, I hadn't set it to 5 a.m. I set it to 5 p.m. that night. So the alarm never went off. But luckily for her, she never went to bed. She was waiting at the top stair of the stairs that night. So when I came out of the room, uh, out into our main area, she was like, Dad, I'm ready. And I was like, did your alarm go off? She's like, it didn't go off. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So... I mean, she's so tired. 
she really wants to be a part of this. So we get up, and she's never done this before, so she doesn't know what to expect. She gets, uh, we go downstairs, I have a little bowl of cereal with her, and then we go to Starbucks, and everything is just new, and she's so excited. This is just a new, this is her moving up in her world. This is newness. This is excitement. So we get to Starbucks, um, I have a coffee, she's like, what are we doing? I'm like, well, I have to, I have to get on my laptop. I have to get some music notes together. She's like, what, what should I do? I was like, well, do you want to listen to the songs for later? She's like, yeah. So I give her some earbuds, and she's listening to songs, and, and she sings to the songs in Starbucks loud. <laughs> like she competes with the speakers. So... We're like, you know, I'm, I'm on my computer, and I hear, our God's greater, other the other, and like she's she's working on her pitch, and she's just kind of singing, and I'm like, okay, all right, this is good. People come in, hey, do at Starbucks they usually just grab their coffee that early in the morning and go. Well, it's not a big deal. So we do that. So we've been doing this for a little while now, and she has it down. She. She gets up at five, she gets dressed, she comes downstairs. And this morning, um, I, have, I have my rituals too. How many of you guys have like certain rituals you do? And there's no reason why, it's just kind of the way you've done it. And um, however, in my going to Starbucks, I usually get the same coffee. It's just the normal coffee and... And uh, for a long time, I put stuff, stuff in my coffee. And then, then I didn't. And so how many of you guys drink coffee black? How many of you guys put stuff in your coffee? Creamer, sugar. How many of you guys don't drink coffee? We have an altar call for you guys at the end of service to get you saved. So, um, so what happened was, is this morning I came in... Um, I came in because I had to get here early. I had some stuff I had to drop off early. And come in with Reagan. We have our ritual and everything. But we didn't go to Starbucks. We did something a little bit different. And um, we have some awesome coffee out here um, at our coffee bar. How many of you guys enjoy coming and having coffee in the morning at church? I love that. It's such an awesome time. And so it's usually my third cup by the time I have this coffee, though. And so we come in, and I went over, and I started a cup of coffee. And, and there was a new... There's a new bag of beans out here. And I look at the beans and I, I put them in the pot and the holder and I start the coffee. And as I'm about to pour my cup of coffee, I, I usually pour the creamer and, and you know other stuff first. And I realize that, how many of you guys know that when you, chain, when you put creamer and sugar in your coffee, you are now no longer tasting the coffee you're tasting something else, right? How many of you guys know who drink black coffee? That's what you're doing, right? All right, so when I, this isn't a knock against that. It's just go with me. So today I am about to just pour in some creamer, you know, just creamer. We have some flavored creamer. I'm about to pour that in before my coffee. And I felt this, why are you doing that? Well, it's because I will drink, you know, usually put creamer in my coffee, it's no big deal. It's like, well, if you do that, you're not going to taste the coffee. 
This is a new this is a new coffee. You've never tasted coffee. How many of you guys can actually taste the difference in coffee? Like like this is this, this is this. Some people just taste coffee, but sometimes people can actually taste the flavor of the beans. And sometimes when you put stuff in your coffee, you're no longer tasting, you just turn it into kind of a feel-good drink. But as I stopped myself from putting stuff in, I realized that I'm giving myself an opportunity to taste something different. And this is what I want to challenge you with in just this portion, is you can start to have life creamers that you put in everything God puts in front of you and it ruins the flavor he's trying to introduce you to. That you can start to create one of the reasons why your life can become so boring and monotonous is because you aren't allowing what he puts in front of you to be the pure experience that he wants you to have. Because for every life experience, you are, it's called, um, what is it called? When you, you're inserting your past habits and experiences and what he's trying to bring in newness of life. And it's like, well, this is what I've always done. Well, you've been asking for something new. You need to give up your spiritual creamers. You need to give up those things that are just the make you feel good so you can get through your cup for this next season of life. You need to pay attention to what is going in to this season of your life. And sometimes you need to let it just be the flavor that God gives you. Don't insert the past experiences into this present experience. Because if you really want to grow, you won't try to relive what you've already lived through. Does, anyone, does that make sense to anyone? Let yesterday be yesterday. Allow there to be a new flavor that enters into your palate and it's just totally different. I had this, have you ever had tuna mahi? Has anyone here had tuna mahi before? Is that what I'm, is that, is that right? Is that what it's called? Last night I was, I was at a restaurant and I had some tuna mahi. I've never had it before in my life. And how many of you guys have ever had a flavor in your mouth that you've never tasted? And it's like, your brain is like, it's got to taste like chicken at some degree. And I'm like, it's not chicken. It's, this is totally different. It doesn't taste like tuna. It doesn't taste... What is this? And your brain is trying to put it into a category that it can default to because you, you in your brain like repetitiveness because it's the illusion of safety. Do you guys hear me? Repetition is an illusion of safety. However, how many of you guys know that the safest place you can ever be in your life is where God calls you to be? Not where you've had victory in the past. How many of you guys know that it was, it was, this, it was the illusion of safety that actually allowed Saul to invite David to wear his armor because that armor had brought, Dave, had brought Saul victory in his past. But that armor would not bring David victory. It was David's sling 
because he actually had practice with it that would bring victory. So what I want to do is I actually want to read in John um, chapter 4, and we're going to have it, I believe, up here on the screen. Maybe, huh, maybe we will now. <laughs> John chapter 6, um, and let's read verse 4. It says, Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. This is the New King James Version. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he knew what he would do. How many of you guys like it when you know God knows what he's going to do, but he still asks you a question? You know that's an invitation, right? Has that ever happened to you? Has he ever asked you a question that you're like, I know you know the right answer, but I'll just answer it anyway. Then Jesus, um, it says this, Jesus lifted up his eyes. uh, Where shall we buy bread that he may eat? Verse 7 says, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have, everyone say the next word, a little Everyone, say it again, a little. So how, as you're looking at your life at this next season, what is, what is the depth of fulfillment you're counting on God fulfilling you? What are you preparing the fulfillment to be received? How, much, how big is your cup? When you came this morning into worship, how big was your cup? Did you bring a cup? Did you bring a truck? You know, I love Dad coming up here and challenging us. And I felt it too. I was just like, oh, that's so good. It's, it is that there is victory for you to walk in. But until you bring your cup and say, come on, let's do this. He meets you with the level of victory that you are presenting out of him. How many of you guys know that your soul worship is a reflection of the condition of your soul? It really is. That's why David didn't put more clothes on when he wanted to worship. He got down because he knew that, man, the, undig- the need for undignification in your life has a place. And if you aren't able to steward a level of, a level, guys, a level, everyone say balance, a level of undignification in your life, then you're missing out on some of the dimension of flavor that he wants to introduce. He wants to expand the palate of your experience with him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? says this in verse 8, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus replied, Make all the people sit down. Now there was much grass in this place, and the men sat down, and there were about 5,000 of the men. Verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them, to the disciples and then the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted 
So let's go back up. Let's go back up to Philip. How much did Philip think could be provided? A little. But the reality of it at the end of verse 11 says, as much as they wanted. So, obviously, in stewarding your discipleship in the presence of God, are you living to where access to the kingdom is as much as you wanted? Or is he giving you crumbs? Because if he's giving you crumbs, it's because you think you're a dog and you don't have a seat at the table. Because at the table, you get as much as you want. But he doesn't determine what you eat. You determine what you eat. Because your name is already at the table. Your name, you already have a place at the table. But you actually, there's something that you have to leave in order to sit at the table. There's, sometimes you got to leave that environment. And there's that exchange. How many of you guys know that whenever you leave the things he doesn't want you to have, you realize what what a load of junk it was in the first place. You didn't need the thing that he was trying to get you to give up. And then once you leave it, you're like, man, I did not need that. But at the time, it seems like you can't live without it. And that is, can I tell you that that's an illusion of fear? And I don't mean that to knock anyone, but that is something that you have to trust him with. Because he has so much for you, as much as they wanted. But then it says this, it says, verse 12, so when they were filled, everybody say filled. Are you, is, is the presence of God, is, is the blessing, is his provision, is it little or is it leaving you filled? Are you leaving hungry? Like, I'm not talking like, but is your, is your satisfaction so met that you actually want more. Have you ever eaten something so much of, it was so good, and you were full, but you couldn't wait till the next time you had it? How many of you guys have that dish? You guys have that? Maybe it's just chocolate. I don't know. You guys okay? So yell out. What is that? What is the thing that you just can't get enough of? Go ahead. I don't care. What's that? Chip? Peanut butter cup ice cream? Amen. Who else? Ah, oh, German chocolate cake. Mountain Dew and Doritos. Wow. Some, y'all need to get together and have a party. That'd be... All right, here we go. Here's what I want to get to. Verse 12 says, So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, this is very important. Y'all ready? Listen to this. Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. I want to say this again. Everyone say, so that nothing is lost. Can you say that again? So that nothing is lost. 
Um, yesterday, I, there's kind of a, an interesting cultural change that it's making a turn right now, but let me just go over the history. How many guys know that um, right now they don't make things to last as long as they used to? Right? I mean, this is just, you guys understand that. They don't, like, they don't make cars to last as long as they used to because they realize something. Whenever I make something that lasts, the consumer doesn't have to buy it again. And so there's a longer uh, frequency. You know, if I buy something that works really good, then I don't have to buy it again for another 10, 20 years versus, you know, even if, I, if it's twice as expensive. Like we had a hot, we had a, a waffle iron that we bought and it lasted a lot shorter than what we thought it would last, but we use it a lot more than probably anybody ever would. Um, and so things just aren't made like they used to make them. Amen? Does that, you, you guys agree with me on that? Is that kind of something we can agree on? And you, you also understand why. They understand that, that, I think I already established that. So within the last 20 years, there has been a shift in how we market things and how we make things because if something breaks, what do you do? Just go buy a new one, right? Just go buy a new one. Nobody fixes anything like they used to. So if you fix something like we used to, it takes patience, takes endurance, takes vision. And you have to learn the value of restoration, right? You don't just throw something away when it doesn't work. You say, wait a minute. We're going to keep this. We're going to find the issue. We're going to find what isn't the issue. And we're going to fix it. There's something that, with that idea of restoration, it's this it's kind of a principle you don't let anything go to waste. And here you have this miracle where God takes five loaves and two fish. Okay, I want picture yourself in that day where you have 5,000 men, not including women and children. He makes them all sit down. And he takes this absolute joke of a meal and then turns it to a a city-wide feast and everyone eats off this lunchable pretty much in that environment of amazing provision there is this thought that can conjure up that says wow he could do so little. He could do so much with so little. He could take five loaves. Wow. And you start to think, this is amazing. He could do so much. All he needed was that Jesus, he, all he needed was five loaves, two feet. He took this kid's lunch and he fed everybody with it. And then the imagination starts to go and starts to think of all the things that God can do with so little. However, see, Jesus is, is introducing the environment of the kingdom 
that he wants us to have. But there's something interesting that's contrast on the other side of that principle. And that is this. Hey guys, I know I just did that miracle with nothing, but we need to get all the leftovers. Pick them up. So there is this thought process that over here says, man, if he could do bountiful, many, wow, wow, wow. There is an idea that would agree with wastefulness. And it can introduce a message that creates spoiled brat kids in the kingdom. Do you guys get that? If I can give you a dollar and you go make a hundred out of it, like, I'll give you a dollar, me and John will go bet on some horse races, and, and, <laughs> and it's a guaranteed thing. I know who's going to win, and he's, you know, we can make a hundred dollars, all right? A horrible analogy. I need to get off of this right now. Do you guys get what I'm saying? If I could take something so little and multiply it, it's easy to think that within that culture, we could just do whatever we want to, right? You guys know, and I love what Jesus does here. He doesn't just say, yeah, get rid of it. He says, okay, guys, all the leftovers. We need to get all the leftovers. Everybody say, get the leftovers. And here's the reason. You have a season of provision. You have personal revivals that happens in your life. Seasonal renewals that are explosive. They actually change everything around. Wow, this is awesome. This is taking off. This is so good. I, wow, God, this is, thank you so much for all the provision. Wow, just revival. Things are happening. You're getting new jobs. You're getting ready. Your marriage, just everything. Details are just flowing. Pay attention. Get the leftovers. He is not a God of waste. Take the amazing provision, and that is the kingdom. And he is going to introduce you to a king who knows how to get the use of all the resources in his kingdom. And yes, he could do many mighty things. But when there are seasons where you think there's nothing, you need to know that He is a God who knows how to steward the leftovers. And I don't know what side you are on right now, but in both cases, in both sides, I want to say you are in the perfect will of God. Just because you're going through lack doesn't mean you're not in His presence. When you're in abundance, rejoice. When, when things are just falling off the edge of the earth, it's not over. You keep going. I want to... Uh, uh, Dad's been talking about the Kingdom Culture, culture Initiative and, and things that that we get to steward and bring into this arena. And it's, it's not just a, yay, whatever. It's like, we could do, you know, God's good. And he's, yes, of course he's good. Yes, he's, yes, he's a God of miracles. Yes, he's doing these things. 
But when I see the king of kings, I don't see a wasteful king. I see a king who knows how to get the most out of every little thing in the kingdom. Have you guys ever worked for a person who is extremely successful, but at the same time he gets the most that you're just like, wow, you can, you can do that? You can repurpose that to work that way? I don't know if you guys, how many are people like, you're just like a, a MacGyver. Like you can like create a bomb out of a toothpick or something. Like, I don't know, but it's just like, have you guys ever met someone like that? They just, maybe not a bomb out of a toothpick, but that'd be pretty cool actually. But have you ever met someone that can do so much from so little? How many of you guys have seen people do so little with so much? You're like, you have so much resources, but you're not doing anything with them. You know, there's a parable about that. About a king who entrusted a man with his currency, and he buried it. And we have to learn to steward this, our faith. That's what we're stewarding. Um, I want you guys, if you don't mind, uh, turn to Luke. We're going to read Luke 16. Luke chapter 16. Are you guys okay? All right, I'm almost done. Luke 16, we're going to read, that's not right, we're going to read verse 10. And this is Jesus giving a parable. It's, it's, not the, it's not the talent parable. It says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, to your trust, true riches if you have not been faithful in what is another man's who will give you what is your own and i think that god um i i know god is doing some amazing things in our area i don't know if you guys feel it but garland is is having we're having our own volcano in the spirit and there are tectonic plates that are moving and shifting in the underbelly of the spirit world in Garland. And the, the fire is coming. It really is coming. The tremors are happening. And they happen in our hearts as we allow the Holy Spirit to flow. The kingdom to flow in our day-to-day life. Um, you know, it's revival is just a moment away. Revival is always one decision away from our environment. That's all it takes is a yes and an amen to start revival. It's not hard. It only takes one yes, one amen, one lunch to shake an entire city. And so I don't I, I want you everyone to say this revival is easy. It's easy. And we need to we need to condition ourselves Jesus didn't make revival look hard. It's not that it wasn't work. It's just that it wasn't hard because it was a co-labor with him and the Father. Amen? 
So this is what it says. It says this, verse 11, I'll read that. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you true riches? Um, I want to close with this, that I know that uh, God is, is calling our body to not be normal. Like, I don't know, I don't know if you know this, but um, the, what, what even dad, God has laid on dad and mom's heart for our church is not a spiritual norm in our environment. As a matter of fact, a lot of people just, they're kind of doing their own thing, and that's good. Every family does. But what is being introduced into our environment, people are going to have a hard time tasting this flavor without inserting their creamer. They're going to go, oh, that's, that's interesting. Hold on, let me just... And they're going to pour in their past religious experience in order to suffice their palate. And you know what? If they want to do that, they can do that. But what we have to do is when God brings us the flavors in the Spirit, that we say, God, let, let me just taste pure and true what it is you are putting into my environment. And so I just want to release that over you. I want to release the past. Just allow yesterday to stay yesterday. And say, God, whatever it is that you want me to walk in, I want the experience that you want me to have and not the experience I'm afraid of not having again. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just release the presence of peace over your people. Lord, the, Lord, the environment that your presence is the one thing that causes us to be whole, to be safe. Lord, that leads us into all truth. And I just want to thank you for what you're doing in our hearts as a body of Christ. Lord, that we would be encouragers to the lost. We would be encouragers to to other members of the body that don't even go here, Lord, that they that that we would build up one another in love. Lord, as as even just as as um John exhorted, Lord, the different churches, the different elders, and he just said, I know your faith. I am so proud of you for what you've done. Other people I am hearing about God's love because of you. Lord, let us not be a people who are, uh, are known for our principles, but are known for our love. That we aren't just a, a, a people who know what we say no to, but Lord, we have a God that says yes over His creation. Lord, and I just thank you for the outpouring of favor over your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you guys okay? If you guys have want prayer for anything or you just want to be released in something, we would love to have our leaders pray with you. And we're going to do that this morning. But groups tonight, you guys are going to hang out with mom and dad tonight at their house at 6. So we love you guys. You have a good day in Jesus, okay? Amen. Give some-